Welcome to the election ride home for Monday, July 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, Klobuchar reaches the polling thresholds for September's debates. Delaney denies reports that his staffers asked him to drop out. Booker's plans to close immigration detention centers using only executive orders. Bennett posts a nice nature video. And Warren reflects on eight years of the CFPB. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. First up today, in a tweet on Sunday, Senator Amy Klobuchar announced that she has met the polling threshold to participate in the September debates and beyond. Her fourth and final qualifying result came from a CBS News poll of Iowa caucus goers. Klobuchar has about 100,000 donors, so she still needs 30,000-ish more, but that is very doable in the time remaining. Now, that same poll was also good news for other candidates in the lower tier who are working to pick up good polling results as soon as possible. Klobuchar got 4% in that poll, which is double what she needed for it to count toward her September qualification. So, here's who else is happy about that poll. First, Senator Cory Booker, who got 3%. Now, he already had six qualifying results anyway, but it's always nice to have more because the DNC takes into account additional poll results for things like tiebreakers, and most media outlets use polling averages to determine where you stand on stage. Second, Julian Castro got a 2% result right on target to qualify. He now has two polls out of the four he needs for September. And third, here's a headline, former hedge fund manager and activist Tom Steyer came in hot with 2%. This is the first time Steyer has reached 2% in a qualifying poll, though we've seen him at 1% several times already. If Steyer keeps this up and he runs fast on the fundraising, he might be the first candidate who did not appear in the first two debates, but does appear in later ones. It's a lot of work, but it's technically possible, and he's got the cash to run a lot of ads and potentially bring in the donor base that he will need. There are a few candidates who are still pushing hard for better poll numbers, but have already met the donor threshold. For example, Yang only has one poll that counts toward the four he needs. Gabbard is in the same boat. But they both have passed the fundraising threshold already, which is the opposite of where Booker and Klobuchar are right now. There's a link in the show notes to a Google Sheet that tracks all of these polls, as well as the fundraising totals, so you can keep track of where the candidates are on all of this stuff. Important note on that spreadsheet, there are two tabs in it. One of them covers the first two debates, and then another covers September and beyond. Make sure you're looking at the right one. Keep in mind that in order to reach the stage in September, candidates must get 2% in at least four polls approved by the DNC and they need to get 130,000 donors. There is no such thing anymore as qualifying just based on polling or just based on donors for the future DNC debates. Next up, here's a story that broke on Friday after I recorded the show. At Politico, Alexi McCammond reported that back on July 9th, John Delaney's senior staffers held a meeting with Delaney and encouraged him to drop out of the race in August. Now, as we've discussed before, Delaney has been in this thing for a very long time. By my count, he's currently on his 725th day of being a candidate. But he's had fundraising problems for years now. At one point, he even offered to donate his own money to charity for each new donor he got. 
So far, this hasn't been that big a problem, because he has enough wealth to self-fund his campaign. He's made it into both the June and July DNC debates via the polling criteria alone, but that's true of a good number of other candidates too. So in the early stage of the primary, he's faced challenges, but they haven't been insurmountable. The problem that looms now is how to get from fewer than 65,000 donors today to more than 130,000 donors by the end of August. That, plus lackluster polling, means he has a truly slim chance of making the September debates, unless something turns around for him right away. According to the Politico report, Delaney initially seemed open to the idea of dropping out, but ultimately rejected it. Delaney disputed the report entirely, issuing a statement to Politico saying his staff suggested no such thing, there was no such meeting, and he has no plans to drop out. He also pointed out apparent discrepancies in the math related to how Politico read SEC filings. As a non-expert in campaign finance myself, I'm not sure who's right there, but the point is, Delaney says he is still in this race for the long term. Regardless of whether this meeting between Delaney and his staffers actually happened, it's an example of what so many candidates are currently up against. Delaney's situation is a bummer, given how much of his own money and time he's poured into the campaign, but there are many candidates in this race right now who essentially don't have a path into the September debates. Right now, the realistic approach is, one, attend the July debates and make a giant splash. Even if it's a belly flop, that's better than nothing. Expect to see candidates trying to drive home quotable lines, going on the attack, and essentially doing whatever they can to get media coverage the next day. They're gonna need it. And two, spend the remainder of July and August drumming up the donor base and attending events on the ground. Now, Delaney has already visited every single county in Iowa. There are 99 of them, by the way. But a good debate performance might energize even more in-person events like that. The Election Ride Home is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes covering all kinds of skills. We're talking everything from gardening to business to photography, you name it. So whether you've got a passion project you just need some knowledge to get through, or you're challenging yourself to learn a new skill, Skillshare has classes for you. So my main hobby is photography, and I mostly use what's called a DSLR. It's a modern digital camera where you can, you know, change the lenses and stuff. If you're looking to get started with this kind of photography, like you want to be able to do your own family portraits or capture your kids' first steps or just go out and photograph the scenery, I recommend the Skillshare class Fundamentals of DSLR Photography by Justin Bridges. It'll get you set up and running in about an hour. And once you're through the basics, he has two more classes that dig in deeper. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for you. Get two free months. That is correct. Skillshare is offering Election Ride Home listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash PRH. Again, that is Skillshare.com slash PRH to start your two free months today. The Election Ride Home is sponsored by a terrific podcast called The Meb Faber Show. The Wall Street Journal named it one of the top five investing podcasts you should not miss. 
If you're looking to learn from the brightest minds in finance or you just want to know more about investing in a casual, fun interview format, this show is a must-listen. The show is hosted by Meb Faber, who is CEO of Cambria Investments and an award-winning ETF manager. The goal of his show is to help you grow and preserve your wealth by giving you new investing insights and ideas. So check out the Meb Faber Show wherever you enjoy your podcast. That's Meb, M-E-B, Faber, F-A-B-E-R. You don't want to miss it. One of the underlying themes of the upcoming 2020 election has been the possibility that Democrats might win the presidency but leave the Senate under Republican control. In that case, it would be hard or impossible to pass much in the way of legislation, as we've seen the McConnell-led Senate very effectively block all kinds of things Democratic presidents have tried to do. Okay, so let's say you're running for president and you realize that this possibility is real. What can you do that wouldn't require the Senate to vote? Well, Senator Cory Booker has found an issue he can do a lot with, solely using executive orders. Immigration. In a plan released on July 2nd, Booker started out by pointing out that much of what's happening at the border is the result of executive orders by the current president. Booker would reverse those and would, quote, virtually eliminate immigration detention, end quote. This means closing down almost all the detention centers. He would also eliminate the for-profit contracts that allows many of those centers to be run by corporations, though that would take three years to wind down. Booker would stop the construction of a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border and even remove some portions that have already been built. Reading from the proposal here, quote, Corey would shift federal enforcement priorities from a presumption of detention to a presumption of liberty. Under existing practices, many immigrants are arrested without warrants, left in detention for days or weeks without charging documents, denied the opportunity to request release on bond, and, when they are eligible for bond, charge bond that is unattainable, leaving them in detention. Corey would restore fairness and due process to the detention system by directing DHS to require probable cause within 48 hours of detention, ensure fair bond hearings for detained immigrants, require that immigrants are released into the least restrictive setting unless DHS provides evidence of a flight risk or danger to the community, and for immigration judges to take into account an immigrant's ability to pay when setting bond. End quote. In addition to removing various orders put in place by the current administration, Booker would revisit past orders from the Obama administration and seek to expand them. Booker would bring back the Central American Minors Program, which gave children from El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras a more straightforward path to refugee status in the U.S. In his proposal, Booker suggested that this was all stuff he intended to do on day one of his presidency. Now, that might not be super practical. In an article for the New York Times, Nick Corasaniti laid out a more realistic timeline. Quote, while the proposed executive actions from the Booker campaign would start the reform process, some immigration activists and experts note that these are not necessarily day one issues. There is, for example, no mechanism to release tens of thousands of immigration detainees overnight, and much of the processes and platforms set out by Mr. Booker would take months to enact. The campaign is taking a long-term approach in their proposed actions, as Mr. Booker pledged to seek to address some of the root causes of the surge in immigration, promising to appoint a special envoy at the State Department to lead his administration's efforts and focus on corruption, violence, poverty, and climate change, end quote. Booker also suggested that, yes, he would work with Congress on a longer-term comprehensive immigration plan, including an attempt to reinstate the DACA program. 
But what's most notable here is that he highlights the precise mechanism and specific things that he can and will do given the opportunity. While many of these things are likely things that the other candidates would do too, it is nice to see him enumerate them. As with all policy, I ask, how much will this cost and how does the candidate propose to pay for it? Well, Booker does not address either of those in his proposal. However, a Politico analysis by Ted Hessen points out that closing detention centers, quote, could reduce costs to the federal government in the short term, end quote. The logic there is that housing someone in a detention center is far more expensive than releasing that person into the general population and either tracking them using something like an ankle bracelet, which, yes, is something that ICE does do today, or checking in with them over time, much like the current probation system. Those are practical, inexpensive options, though there is also a cost associated with trying to find people who fail to return for their hearings. Going even further, Politico cited the Cato Institute, a libertarian think tank, which claimed that closing detention centers would be, quote, far cheaper, more humanitarian, and less of a political disaster for the Trump administration, end quote. Next up, a tiny thing that caught my eye and struck me as a real human moment, which is sometimes rare on the campaign trail. On Sunday afternoon, Colorado Senator Michael Bennett posted a 29-second video on Twitter. It shows him standing by a sun-dappled river in New Hampshire. He wrote, quote, It's easy to get distracted in this hyper-connected world. Thanks, Carroll County, for the thoughtful questions and the moment of reflection. End quote. And along with that text, he posted a video. Here's the sound from that video, and note that at the end, the audio is cut off in the original, so it does end just a tad abruptly. Listen in. We just had a great town hall in Carroll County on the banks of this beautiful river, and I think it'd be nice to take 10 seconds and just have absolute silence. Hope you're having a great day. And last up, yesterday, Senator Elizabeth Warren tweeted about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or CFPB. She wrote, quote, Today the CFPB turns eight. I helped President Obama create an agency that would protect consumers, and that's exactly what happened. The CFPB has forced financial companies to return an estimated $12 billion to the people. After the big banks crashed our economy, the CFPB was the big structural change our country needed. Now, the Trump administration is on a mission to destroy it. I'll keep fighting for consumers, today and as President of the United States. End quote. She also posted a video showing her walking outside CFPB headquarters with CNN's David Axelrod and reflecting on what the CFPB is and its eight-year history. If you're not familiar with it, Warren herself came up with the idea for the agency, officially proposed it, and helped establish it. Here's the audio from that short walk, and by the way, Axelrod speaks first. This is a special place here. It is. Because it started in your head <laughs> and is now a real living, breathing yep. uh, institution of government. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. So you remember the basic problem because you were also there when this came to life. But the basic problem was people getting cheated, 
on their mortgages, on their credit cards, on a lot of their consumer borrowing. And there were seven different federal agencies, all of whom owned a little piece of supposed to enforce the law. And when seven different folks are supposed to do it, nobody was doing it. So the idea was, when the crash came, don't just pass a couple of laws to say don't do that horrible thing and don't do that bad thing right. to people. It's let's make structural change. And the structural change was let's gather up all of those responsibilities and let's put them in one place and let's give that agency the responsibility to make sure that consumers don't get cheated. President Obama was a fan of this idea. Yeah, he was. And, um, and asked you to help set it up. So, you know, that was the amazing thing, to be able to build this with the support of the president. I still remember the first time I was invited to the White House after this had been signed into law. And the very first question that the president asked me, he said, is it going to be strong enough to make a difference? And I said, yeah. Tell me what it, it's done. So what this agency has done is it's been the cop on the beat. And that means it's actually been there to force big financial institutions when they cheat people, not just to pay a little fine slap on the wrist, but to actually make them send the money back to the people they cheated. So far, this agency has forced these big banks to return more than $12 billion directly to people they cheated. A second thing it does is it's got a consumer complaint hotline. And it turns out it's really easy. You should tell everybody, cfpb.gov. And you can go on when you think you get cheated, whatever it is. You can go there and the CFPB basically stamps it, sends it off to the creditor, your complaint, and then monitors that you get a response. Well, that is it for one more episode of the Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Well, I am home again, and yeah, wow, I missed that. I had a nice six-hour flight from Boston to Portland. Oh, super fun. Spent it mostly watching movies about the Apollo missions. More on that later this week, by the way. Not, Not the movies, the actual Apollo stuff. And I will leave you with this thought. In the last two months, I've been to two weddings. For one wedding, I brought my old film camera, a Nikon F5. Great camera, but from the mid-90s. And I shot a total of 180 images, which was five rolls of film. And honestly, I got great stuff. It was fun, and people were really curious about how you can still use film today and all that stuff. But I brought my digital camera, a Nikon Z6, to the other wedding, and predictably, I shot a little over 3,000 photos. And this is kind of why digital is both good and bad. So I've got a few dozen hours ahead of me trying to sort through all of that stuff, and I guess it's good to have a hobby, right? As always, thanks for listening, stay hydrated, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.